welcome to the FE Research Podcast with Joe and Alistair, a podcast that aims to shine a light on the practitioner inquiry, scholarship and research being carried out within further education. Practitioner research gives us all opportunity to, to get better at, at what we do and I really like the, the quote from Richard Sennett about that, you know, it's an innate human quality that we all should strive to, to get better at what we do. My name is uh, Joe Fletcher Saxon, and I'm here with two people today. So, my partner in crime, do you want to say hello? Hello. Who <laughs> you are? <laughs> Kept yeah. it. No, I'm Alistair Smith. Yeah. Kept okay. it short that time. <laughs> and uh, I'm really thrilled that today on the podcast we have Mr. Gavin Knox. Say hello, Gavin. <laughs> hello. Lovely to to talk to you both. And do we call you Gav then, or? Yes, Gav? please. I only get yes. called I only get called Gavi when I'm getting told off by my mum. So yeah, yeah always prefer yeah. Gav. <laughs> that, that's fair enough. Okay, so um, Gav, you well, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself first? You know what you do in your job, etc. Before we get on to your research. Yeah, so I'm um, a member of staff at, at Lincoln College. Um, I've worked there for as a lecturer now since 2007 and previous to that I was at Newark College and then in 2007 uh, Lincoln College merged with Newark College. Um, I, yeah, career has taken sort of many different paths really with, it, with FE. I started my first sort of six, seven years combining a teaching assistant role with a lecturer in post. Uh, my vocational background is, is sport and specialising in, in working with learners with, with um, SEN. And in 2007, when we merged with Lincoln College, I felt that was the time to, to take on a teaching role full time, which I've been doing and still to this day. And then in the last uh, yeah, probably three to four years, I've taken on more of a responsibility with the quality improvement team at the college. I was a, an advanced practitioner for around about two years. And then as of September last year, that progressed into a full time post within the quality team and I have quite an unusual job title called a professional standards learning coach still trying to figure out sometimes what what that means as well but basically it was a, as a, a sort of a involvement of the advanced practitioner team right so the majority of my teaching now is deliver on initial teacher training programs which is always sort of a an aspiration of mine so I still feel very privileged to do that I'm alongside still doing some teaching back in within my area with my SEN sports students but yeah, majority of time it is the sort of cross college role within the quality improvement team. Okay, and it, and it's that the the coaching that is sort of the heart of what we're going to talk about today, isn't it? So, do you want to um, tell us a bit about your research project and, and maybe the the kind of when you started out, what kind of question, what research question or problem maybe that you were seeking to answer? Yeah, so. Being a, a sort of a coach within further education, that word coach is, is something I don't naturally associate with education. And within the college, we try to develop a sort of, you know, collegial culture within the college, but also trying to, to work within the, the constraints and, and sort of the system of, of the FE sector and trying to combine those two things is, you know, how can we sort of empower... Uh, emancipate our teachers, our practitioners, 
when we still have those sort of day-to-day constraints of, of the FE sector. And, and those two things, for me, just at times don't sit right and, and cause a lot of conflict within the institution. Um, I see that within my role when working with managers. I feel that when I talk to teachers. So that's ultimately what, what led me to to this title and the overall title has those sort of two key themes. So the, the title is Fear and Loathing in FE. So really trying to dig deep into what FE is, uh, what are some of the fears that, that are felt within the, the sector, where do they come from? And then the second element of the title is evaluating the impact of a coaching culture on teachers' professional development. Because ultimately that, that is why the, the, sort of the, the coaching culture, culture was put in place to try and support and develop teachers yeah, and, and trust our teachers, empower our teachers to make those decisions for themselves. When, when you started out then, was that coaching culture established or have you been researching alongside you trying to actually develop it as well? Yeah, we had quite a significant change in the college, probably about four years ago now. And so we call it the LAP strategy, learning assessment and teaching strategy. So learning was put at the heart of everything we do. And that, that strategy saw a number of changes. One of the most obvious ones, which most teachers would probably talk about, would be the removal of sort of formal um, graded lesson observations, which was quite a big move at the time. I know lots of the colleges have probably followed suit now, but sort of four years ago, it seemed, it seemed as quite a, a radical shift. And that, that, that strategy has continued to evolve, really, and trying to just look at where we can empower teachers to make those decisions for themselves, managed managers to become more of coaches rather than telling people what to do so rather be seen as the fixers they're trying to support their teachers to to make those decisions for themselves so probably about four years now into this project but i'd say the the coaching element particularly with the change in my sort of job title uh, has probably become more prominent within the last sort of um, year to 18 months really um, but I'm sure as we go on to talk that in terms of would the wider college recognise a coaching culture, that, that's ultimately what led me to, to the research. Mm, okay. And it, is there just, is there kind of a set, a sort of a model, a framework that, that people work with in terms of that coaching relationship? Is there, you know, something you've trained people in that they're following? Yeah, again, that's a, that's a good question and something that the research is, is looking a lot into. So I've been speaking to managers to discuss about sort of what training have they been provided in terms of coaching. Some of that is, is very limited. Do teachers feel that sort of coaching culture? Some of the early findings sort of suggest not. So again, trying to dig deeper into, into why that is. And, and some of that marries up to that sort of fear and loathing aspect in terms of, of the sector. Um, also, you know, you have to take your own sort of perceptions and experiences into into coaching and um, I don't rightly or wrongly do, do I feel you can train people to, to be a coach. Um, I often find that's quite difficult. I feel it, it's a skill that, that people have. Um, yes, we can put people on training courses and the college is doing that for some managers, but ultimately does that still make somebody the, the right coach? Um, something I'm still pondering a lot every day. <laughs> it's interesting, actually, that you're using the word coach as a noun, as a name of people. Yeah. Role, whereas I think of it as 
into more in terms of the verb coaching what we do i don't know whether yeah. there's any difference in that i'm going to ponder that one but it just yeah, yeah. And, and i suppose the word coaching is just semantics isn't it we can read a lot into that in terms of, of what that actually means i mean that, that potentially is why when, when that word has been said to some of the teachers they maybe don't recognize it but they do they have obviously recognized other things which i'm sure we'll go on to talk about uh, later on all right then so um you you set about to dig deep into you know people's perceptions of this the, the coaching culture and what what they understood by that so um tell us a bit about who was involved and how how you gathered your your data for want of a better word your information yeah so the methods and you know i'll talk openly honestly with with doing my um mphil some of some of this element was was a challenge to me and the the methodology side i've absolutely i've certainly learned a lot and, and when you actually start conducting your sort of interviews a lot, a lot of these things do piece together so i'm with a, a qualitative approach and sitting within an interpretivist position um, has formed the research design and very much a narrative inquiry has anchored the thesis. This is very much about telling a story, um, what we're trying to do within this research. And I'm a big part of that story because I live and, and breathe uh, what happens every day in terms of trying to work towards this, this coaching culture. Um, and instead of acting like the researcher doesn't exist, uh, the choice of narrative inquiry involves me being part of those discussions and the resulting findings. So in terms of who we went out to speak to, so that the, the data has been collected. And I think it's important to note that whilst it's, there's only a, a small sample, it, it certainly does warrant in terms of what these people add to, to the research. So we purposely sampled six teachers and six managers. And by purposely sampling, you can then identify people that bring sort of unique qualities and knowledge and experience to, to the research. Um, and those people were, were the data was carried out through semi-structured interviews, which allowed the interviewee to sort of express and feel freely flexible about expressing their views and experiences and perceptions. Uh, due to the current situation we, we faced, half of those are um, had to be done via video call through the, a Zoom platform. But interestingly, I was analysing some some findings um, only the other day in terms of that, and the interviews that were carried out via video call lasted a lot longer than those ones that were face-to-face -face that were carried out at the college. And again, something that we'll possibly speak about later is, you know, when you give that time and space for people, to sort of innovate, to think a bit more deeply than, you know, so people may be expressed in a lot more detail because of not having that pressure of, of being at college and, and mm -hmm. probably watching the clock all the time to get to that next appointment. It, yeah, that is really interesting, actually, isn't it? Because they're removed from that setting. You were getting yeah. possibly richer data. So it, I read I read something, it was possibly in your abstract, you'd said that, um, I think it was a reference to managers' temptation to fix rather than coach to fix things or that they wanted to. Was that something, a perception you had at the beginning or something that emerged through through the um, conversations? Yeah, I think that was a, a perception I'd held for a number of years and probably a per perception in general about what we, what we see managers as and done some sort of reading around that and um, 
Ewart Keep and Christina Dolvin, Donovan talk about sort of new public management um, and it reinforces that managers have the power and right to manage, which is obviously a knock-on effect then of increasing performance management. And I think that that sort of culture has been felt around the college for a number of years that we expect our managers to, to tell us what to do. Uh, they're the experts. So then trying to, to sort of marry up um, a coaching model alongside that has really in intrigued me over these la last few years and expecting managers now to become coaches um, is a real key element, I think, uh, of this research and, and how they go about doing that, how they feel about doing that and almost that, yeah. that conflict between when you're probably still charged with performance managing your staff in, in whatever you know element that may be um, and then you're asked to coach your staff on the other hand um, is a real sort of a fascinating part of the research really. I think as well what strikes me when you're talking is the difference between manage and lead um, and these people seem to be labelled as managers and there's a world of difference I think between being a manager and a leader yeah coaching sits more comfortably in one more than the other but anyway <laughs> that yeah. was just a thought that occurred to me now you referenced um dr christina donovan there and of course one of the big things that i think she's known for is this issue of trust yes and if you're trying to introduce a coaching culture or influence that then that is absolutely huge isn't it trust and but that would seem to sit very much in opposition to that very performative culture that you're referring to yeah, and, and I think that's what the, the, the FE sector has, has become, isn't it? That the people are scarred by you know, the systems and policies and procedures, this sort of policy hysteria where you know, data is seen as the, as the number one thing that we all have to abide by and accountability and trying to introduce this culture, trying to get you know, people to trust one another. Um, you know, it doesn't come without its challenges. And I think we're all fully aware at the college that we're on a journey and culture change takes a, takes a very long, long time. Mm. Okay, so yeah, so you're on a journey then. And in terms of your own personal research journey here, you're sort of year two of an, M, of an MPhil. Um, so are you at a stage where you think there are emerging themes that you might want to share now or is, is it is it too early to be able to share such things no very very fresh um where we are actually that this is the stage of the research that we're at um just sort of analyzing the data and identifying sort of some early codes and and key emerging themes so yeah absolutely we, we can share some of those with you and just wanted to come back to a real poignant uh, piece of literature actually and as I talk through some of these themes this one just keeps resonating with me and it was um, a quote from O'Connor and, and Lage in 2007 it was taken from um, a coach in education book by Christian van Nuremberg uh, because literature within oh, sorry literature around coaching in FE is extremely limited there's not an awful lot um, out there but this particular quote around coaching um, expresses that yeah coaching is a meme means spread like biological mutations if they fit with the cultural mores and values they flourish mm. if they are at odds with the times they wither and become extinct mm. they are like seeds that will grow if they are given the right environment mm. Oh, we, oh, we've got a dog joining in. in yeah, that's, oh, that uh, dog really appreciates it. He, <laughs> he agrees, strong, strongly agrees with that, as well Absolutely. as the Amazon delivery that's just come to the door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. OK, 
So, uh, so um, yeah, some of those um, emerging themes which, which you mentioned, and, and that's why that, that point often sticks in my mind. So some of the emerging themes are um, majority of teachers appear to have a, a lack of awareness of a, of a coaching culture. Some teachers have expressed that whatever this new culture is to them, they feel it's become too relaxed at times. They're mainly linked that due to because we no longer have lesson observations. Um, mm. So there's been no there's been no clear articulation then in the college of okay, this this is our coaching culture. This is it. You're not at that. You've not done that. Well, not not to use those words because interest of the lap strategy doesn't mention the word coaching, but the ah. the whole strategy is built around key coaching principles mm -hmm. and and the way that, again why the, the college likes to work is we don't want to prescribe that to everyone. We like to see that come through within the culture and sort of rely on the the managers, the the heads and the leads of department to try and build that culture within their team. So it's mm -hmm. interested, you know. It, pockets of the college when we have spoken to some areas and analyzed the data that's coming out stronger than other areas and again trying to dig deeper in, into why that why that is mm -hmm. um, and just speaking to the range of of well, the six different managers there was quite a, a common sort of theme that a lot of them didn't feel the right people to coach their staff because of this sort of you know this conflict of, of their other roles and just because they were managers and may be seen as experts within some of their subjects not all of our managers manage subjects that are particularly of their background they might be combined with other, other roles but um, I remember one manager telling me I've got um, a quote here um, he said when I see a poor lesson it's really hard for me not to tell the person that, that lesson was poor um, they said that doesn't make them a bad person or a bad manager, but what they expressed it, that it felt that they're not the right person to coach because it's not their strengths. Um, they can show someone how to construct a wall, but not necessarily coach them how to um, develop themselves, you know, through learning assessment and teaching. Okay. So it sounds like those expected to coach need coaching themselves. Yeah, and, and again, if, if that is possible, can you coach somebody how to coach? It's still, again, something what we're looking into. And just because you may be, have been on a sort of, a, I've read some research around if you've been on a 15-hour training course, it you know means you're maybe um, qualified or I'm not sure that's the right word to, to go and do that. But from my experience, I won't necessarily uh, agree with that. And then some of, some of the things that are coming out from the teachers are a really powerful quote um, to share with you was um, a, one of the teacher expressed that people should be told when they're not doing particularly well and it's okay to be judged and um, people that are not very good continue to not be very good. Um, educators value critique. They want people to tell them what they don't like. And, and that has been a bit of a, a dominant theme, really, from the teachers that because we've moved away from sort of the graded lesson observations, a lot of the teachers have expressed that they, they want feedback still. They want to be told um, how they're doing, which, again, is, try, is something the college is, is trying to move away from. And you know, I link that back to the previous sort of models and, and systems, really, that for me, the way a lot of people feel about FE and um, a lot of teachers have expressed how the learners, you know, these are the worst learners I've ever seen and 
you know, five years ago, the learners weren't like this, but what, what I'm drilling down into in terms of just trying to, to nail sort of the five or six key themes is that a lot of these things are to do with the systems of FE, the policies and procedures. So the learners probably not changed that much and, and the teachers have not really changed that much, but the systems continue to change, uh, which is why maybe teachers perceive that learners are worse than ever, but the systems that are put in place on them um, are changing all the time. And that's something as, as we, I continue is to, to analyze the data that um, I need to continue to sort of refer back to the literature and, and really sort of analyze some of the findings that have come out. Okay. So um, it, in terms of when you'll be at the end and be able to sort of share, share, you know, the, res the results, if you like, the final yeah. results, we're talking about some point next year, are we? Is that right? Yeah, probably hoping sort of January, February of next year yeah. that everything should be concluded. But I do feel more in a position now to, you know, um, very um, lucky to be part of this today and do feel in a position now to be able to go and talk to us, particularly now we've analysed the findings. Mm. Yeah. Um, and um, I hope there'll be more opportunities in lots of different forums for you to, you know, keep those conversations going as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. Can we just, um, obviously you're carrying out this piece of research. I know you're doing it with Sunderland University as part of the ETF sponsored um, practitioner research programme, you know, the MPO. Yeah. Is there, could you share with us how teacher research at your college is supported or, you know, how, how, how is it, the fact that you're on the MPhil, how's that viewed and what kind of support or what systems are there in the college for a practitioner researcher? Yeah, within my own team, it's, it's viewed very favourably um, across the wider college, probably even more up to some of our you know, um, executive leadership team. I'm not sure if they'd have much of awareness about what this actually means, but that's part of probably my role to, to help them understand that and, and to share um, our findings. I'd say with as a college, we're still on our early journey with, with research. We've certainly made some massive progress and the last strategy again has, has sort of reinforced that in terms of trying to get our teachers be, to become more sort of practitioner researchers. So we have had um, learning assessment teaching festivals now for the last uh, four years now where teachers are encouraged to to um, share any action learning they might have been doing. All of our initial teacher trainees have an action learning module. They often showcase their, their findings um, within a, a session at the LAT Festival. We also have teachers that have ran sessions for other teachers to encourage them to explore what research is and actually doesn't need to be this you know big time consuming job we can um, encourage people to do sort of short action research projects, action learning projects, as well as encouraging people um, to go on to, to big, bigger projects like an MPhil. We have, um, what I've learned actually, there's quite a number of people doing their PhDs in the college, but that's where we're still on that journey because it's not something that is maybe shared that well. And we do have a, um, a workplace group, so it's a bit like um, a Facebook group that we have at the college where we have a, a group set up now. I think we've got about 60 members on the uh, research group on, on workplace and two or three of our teachers monitor that quite closely. One of those being uh, Alistair who's, who's with us today and, and people like Alistair have also been great in terms of sharing what they're doing and, and not just people like ourselves in the quality team. We have you know, 
four or five other teachers now that are becoming real strong voices in terms of the benefits of, of research in FE. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Okay, um, I'm going to hand over to Alistair now, who's uh, going to run through the final um, half <laughs> of the questions today. Okay. Yeah, okay, Gav. Well, uh, thanks for that. You, you've already answered the first question really there, which was, you know, how are we sharing uh, the research? But you were, you were straight into uh, kind of answer that before we got there. But um, I know that it's quite important um, that, that you kind of have this... Um, interesting way of looking at the research i mean is it seen as professional development um or quality or a little bit of both um certainly from your kind of position in the quality office uh, if you can comment on that one as well yeah i think it's a, a really interesting question and the way i, I think about that i think we we all have a an interest and we and quality is part of of everything we do whether you're you're in the quality improvement team whether you're um, a practitioner and i think is it practitioner research gives us all opportunity to, to get better at, at what we do and I really like the, the quote from Richard Sennett about that you know it's an innate human quality that we all should strive to, to get better at what we do so I feel it's a, a responsibility for us all um, but do, just to reiterate what I said I said, what I think was very much on a journey with it and, and the more we can share in terms of what we do whether that's face-to-face -face, whether that's through you know electronic platforms um, I think that's the only way for us to to showcase really the, the power of what what research in FE uh, can have. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, how, what do you think um, kind of motivates or attracts staff to to do research or or be researchers and and kind of contribute something to the um, to the pool of of finding out new information? Gav, what um, what do you think those those attractions might be? Yeah. For me, I think a bit like my own research, your sort of research paradigms, and maybe some of those words are not the right use to words to use with people that might be new to research, but they they sort of characteristically mirror researchers' views and, and the world that they currently live in, and you're trying to understand that that world that you're operating in on the on a day to day basis, and it becomes sort of the lens that that researchers act upon and and understand. And for me, that, that's what I want to try and develop more within the college, you know, to talk to people. What things frustrate you? What things excite you? And, and how do you view that? And then trying to then move that on to the next step in terms of how that might fit and relate to research. Yeah, and, and, and for me, I've very much been led down sort of this narrative inquiry because and the, and the interpretist sort of view, because I'm very much about listening to people's feelings and values and perceptions rather than going down what what is maybe deemed by managers the other the quantitative sort of element of of data and facts and figures and uh, i don't rightly or wrongly maybe some teachers maybe just perceive still that that's what research is it's just about gathering some data and we pass that on to the managers and and probably more of what i can do and people like yourself that we try and promote that research is not just about that yeah, I think that's um, that's kind of integral with that that you're saying about telling a story earlier when you was picking out that narrative um, narrative inquiry as, as one of your kind of main focuses, and and I think that's important to get away from that uh, data focus as well. Um, how have you seen? Because obviously, in your position, you can kind of oversee one or two um, different areas within the college. But how have you seen um, 
outcomes of research impacting the classroom or the organization and you know are there any kind of um, interesting examples that you've come across um, in kind of recent months as part of that yeah again i'll probably get bored of saying this work still to do massively and still on the journey however we have had some powerful research particularly around maths we've had a lot of teachers looking into sort of vocational maths um, and I think as, as a whole sector, we, we face significant challenges with that and trying to, we've had some teachers looking at how we can embed sort of more vocational curriculums and support that with the delivery of maths. So I think that's been really powerful and, and needs to be shared. And um, I've been quite um, hopeful, actually, and pleased to hear for the last few months that that is going to be shared um, and that has made its way up to some of the, the executive leaders within the college. Um, even from that sort of probably some bigger research that was carried out, even more of a, a local sort of level, some of our initial teacher trainees who carry out some very small sort of action learning within their areas. Um, some of that research had been very new to those areas and, and seen some sort of changes or developments to, to pedagogy, subject pedagogy, teachers analysing how they can improve. So we've looked at teachers looked at sort of behavior a lot of teachers are often fascinated around things to do with mobile phones and the use of technology so some interesting work from teachers around uh, virtual reality because that is coming more into our curriculums and myself i also carried out some work into some research sorry into learning walks around about sort of three or four years ago and i was lucky to to share that at a number of sort of research festivals and on the back of some of the findings of that, some of the, the way the college went about carrying out a learning walk, some of that, that was changed um, and looked at because one of the things that we originally had, we I think when the, the learning walks first came in, we had at times up to four people in your room at one point carrying out a learning walk. And uh, when we'd carried out some research into that, how it made teachers feel, um, and we presented the findings and some changes was, was made to that. Yeah, that, that's quite a good example um, of, of sort of the, the range, really, of uh, the impact that can be had um, right across the board. Um, what I'm really interested to know now, Gav, is how do you link with the right, wider um, research community yourself? Um, obviously, I've seen you pop up on Twitter one or two times, but um, and you've just mentioned that you've gone to one or two research festivals as well there. But I wonder if you can expand on that and let us know about how you link up with that wider research community. Yeah, so... Try and do as much on Twitter as possible. I just think that as an amazing community, particularly the UK FE chat, all that happens on a Thursday night, I think it's just fantastic. And you can make lots of different connections, mainly on the back of my learning walk research that I carried out. I was invited to a number of research festivals, uh, Bedford College. We went to talk at Nottingham College because a lot of them were, were really interested about learning walks because I think they were quite at a point where they thought, yes, we could try this. I was lucky to present at Reimagining FE um, at Birmingham um, just last year. Uh, we did some, we're uh, in partnership with Peterborough College and uh, College of West Angular. Uh, we also do some work with Stamford College where we often share some of our research findings uh, with them. And it's probably, I, I would personally admit, I have more work to do with that as well um, and for me it's probably sort of a confidence thing really in terms of making sure that you feel confident enough to talk about what you're doing and, and when you're invited to things like a, a research festival and asked for a, to 
present i think you sort of want to feel confident that that you're 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 there and doing a good job and telling a story that that people want to hear so i mean i would recognize that uh, yeah I, i've got work to do in terms of my own development and confidence with that um, and, and i really hope that you know doing this today will give me that confidence to to go out and maybe get in touch with more people and promote even further what, what i'm currently doing yeah thanks for that i normally at this point i'd kind of start to ask some questions about the the impact and what it means for students and and um the college and the wider fe sector but actually i think you've kind of covered that through most of your answers so far so um really i think I'm going to get you to kind of distill things down now for your top tips for any teacher or lecturer interested in practitioner research. You know, what kind of, what should FE lecturers be researching? What, what's kind of the, the hot topic or, or good areas to maybe start with, uh, Gav? Yeah, I think I want to start this point by saying that it's important to recognise that educational research is complex and confusing um, and, and we don't expect to have a clear picture um, when, when we've carried out our research and gathered some findings. So I think it's important just to, to note that. But for me, um, I wouldn't like to, probably my coaching head on here, and I wouldn't like to pinpoint and tell people what they should be researching. But for me, it's about, you know, contributing to driving change in and around the sector, particularly around your own practice, your own institutions. Um, and I think, as I've said a lot today, whatever we are researching, that knowledge needs to be shared uh, and as a whole sector, uh, we still have work to do with that because there is some amazing work going on and probably comes back to that sort of key element of my research title, really, that fear and loathing of FE, that, you know, that, that, that phrase we were all aware of, the Cinderella sector, the sector in the middle that's often forgotten about. Well, actually, there's some amazing work going on within the sector. We have some fantastic practitioners. We have some great leaders within and I think we just need to share and, and shout about that a lot more but in terms of, of advising people what they should be researching um, my advice would be to as we've done recently actually with the with our level four teacher trainees when they've been doing their action learning my sort of brief to them is what what intrigues you what what frustrates you what excites you um, and it's amazing some of the things that they've come up with and, and none of that has been been led by us because I all th I think all of us as practitioners feel frustrations the things that we're curious about the things we want to know a bit more about the things that excite us um, and research gives us that opportunity to to delve deeper into that and ultimately to to inform your practice and 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 to get better at what we do do you know i, I really quite like the fact that um you kind of uh, almost uh, poking and provoking to to get people to talk about what they're passionate about um, you say that you don't you don't really lead them to something, but um, it's certainly directing, and I think that's quite important. It, it's um, it's a, an interesting way of using that coaching philosophy. I guess really the question now is, and you've sort of almost alluded to doing more, but what's next for you, Gav? What what's next on the agenda? Yeah, so in terms of my research, we have a a, a busy sort of time coming up. Unfortunately due to the situation we're in, our, our last residential has been cancelled in terms of going in person. So we'll be doing um, some online Zoom sessions with the teaching team from, from Sunderland. So really looking forward to that. And they're going to support us with the final chapters. And then for myself, between now and probably um, yeah, Christmas, really, will be to, to be, to be analysing my data, trying to finalise, really, six key themes 
and then obviously I'm referring back to the literature review, um, my my data analysis, my findings to try and draw some conclusions and, and recommendations from what has been you know a big piece of work for for two years, and there's lots of discussions actually going on. The college is um, learning assessment and teaching strategies currently under review. So only today, actually, I, I was asked for some key headlines from my um, manager about um, some of my research. So that can be shared with some of the, the executive leaders tomorrow at a meeting to inform sort of further developments to the learning assessment and teaching strategy. So for me, yeah, big push to, to get this finished. Um, alongside obviously returning to work in whatever shape and form that would look like. Um, life is going to be very different from us all. So I'm also very intrigued to see how a, a coaching sort of culture and model will work when we return to work. And it's been interesting to see how that works online as well. Um, I've found actually a lot of more teachers to be a lot more receptive in terms of sort of almost reaching out for sort of support and advice um, in, in these sort of current climates. So yeah, lots of work to do, but all very exciting. Um, and as discussed before, potential to move the the um, the research in another direction. So should my supervisor feel it's um, in a strong position, maybe to go to a PhD, um, but that, that's something I wouldn't want to force if I don't feel it's the right thing to do. So that, that's something I'll have to be considering as well over the next um, few months. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for gosh, sharing all of that with us, um, Gav. We're coming, we're coming to the end now. Um, so before we say goodbye, is there a, a key message that you want to share? It might be in terms of being a researcher, or it might be something to do with your actual topic, but is there a key key message you'd like to share with anybody listening yeah for me just to to encourage as many people to to do to carry out research and it doesn't need to be on these massive scales certainly not maybe what I've been involved in and, and research can you know have impact on us all and drive change within the sector within institutions within departments um, and for me just on a personal level having been involved in um, two sort of fairly big research projects now it's it's absolutely contributed to developing my own career and um, it's helped me to gain capital um, navigate further particularly you know with a move into into the quality team which is something I never never sort of thought I would be I don't know if worthy is right the word I never thought I would get to that sort of level um, so I certainly think research has helped in terms of developing my own career and what it does it sort of gives you a voice um, and makes you realise that that what you do in terms of research does have an impact on you, and, and more importantly, um, other people. Thank, thank you. It's interesting, actually, listening um, to you today, that some of the things you, you've talked about kind of imply imposter syndrome. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, which, which everybody at every level, it doesn't matter who you talk to, whether it's a really distinguished professor or it's somebody starting out on level four action research. It's the same. It's the same yeah. thing. It's the same thing. I agree more with you, Joe. And then refreshingly, our CEO spoke about that um, not so long ago to us as well, that, you know, many days he feels the same. Uh, so yeah. it's nice that, that he shares those feelings as well. Exactly. So I guess another message is, you know, even if you're feeling that, <laughs> you're not alone. You're not absolutely yeah. alone. <laughs> it's okay, okay not to feel okay. 
Yes. <laughs> um, well, thanks so much for your time today, Gav. Um, we're, I'm going to round off um, just, you know, by saying um, goodbye now, if you want, both want to say goodbye. Yes, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure um, to be with you and thank you for inviting me in today. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for sharing all that really interesting information, Gav, and uh, lots of points for thinking about as well into the future. So thank you very much and uh, goodbye. Thank you. Ian.